the volume. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, There is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. Emergency podcast time. First time we're going live on YouTube. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, the volume, of course. And Sergio Mora, the former junior middleweight champion, joining me on the podcast. I am in Las Vegas. I was just ringside at Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Fury wins by 11th round knockout. Fight of the year front runner by far. A lot to unpack 
in this fight. But Sergio, uh, just give me your first and overall first impressions of Wilder going down against Fury. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's uh, applause. I mean, if I could stand up here, I would give him a standing ovation. That was a classic. Mannix, that was a classic. Wilder went 0-2-1 in a trilogy, in a winless trilogy. But we're going to be talking about it because it was exciting, man. And, you know, I, talking, leading up to this, I didn't think it was needed. But in some way, boxing needed this. There's just two big men slugging it out. And my first impression was this was a very winnable fight for Wilder. This was the a fight where Fury could have lost. And it just Wilder didn't take advantage of that. So this was the worst Fury that he could have saw. And this was the best Wilder we could have saw. And it didn't happen. But what a fight. What an well, exciting fight. Hold on, hold on. I, I, dis I disagree with that. I, I disagree with it was the worst Fury we could have seen. I also disagree with the fact that it, when you say it's the best Wilder we could have seen. Now, let's start with Wilder. Wilder came out and he was doing the things he talked about doing in the build to the fight. He was following the lead of Malik Scott. He was throwing the jab to the body more. He was throwing right hands to the body. He was dedicated to that body attack. That was fine. But one of the things I said, Sergio, to you on this podcast to you on the DAZN Boxing Show, I wrote it in print. The muscle that Deontay Wilder was carrying was not going to be good for him. Deontay Wilder came in at 238 pounds, and he believed that 238 pounds would make him stronger, more effective, more durable. Um, I didn't see it. I talked to a lot of fighters who had told me muscle makes you tired. It makes you heavy. And you could see, like, end of that second round, I'm sitting next to a couple of riders there, and we're looking at each other going, is Deontay Wilder tired? Is he fatigued? So I just thought that proved to be, he, he might've lost anyway, probably would have. Fury, I think is a cut above him. But I thought that was a mistake. And I thought that led to him being so tired for most of that fight that it ultimately cost him. You know what gets you tired more than big bulging muscles? Missing big wild shots. That's what got Wilder tired, missing those big shots. And the fact that he was able to drop Fury, and he was so animated, the adrenaline came up, and he went for the knockout, that wears you out when you don't knock out your opponent. And and look, it wasn't the worst Fury, but it wasn't the best version of Fury. The head movement wasn't there. The upper body movement wasn't there. The best punch he was throwing in and hurting Wilder was the jab, the power jab. He wasn't throwing that enough. The footwork wasn't there. The combinations, eh, he had flashes of it, but it wasn't the best version of the Gypsy King. And it was the best version of Wilder. We saw a little hints of the strategy he was trying to implement and the raw power was there, the hunger was there, but he just, he's always gonna be one step behind Fury, one punch behind Fury. And this was the best chance for Deontay Wilder to beat Tyson Fury. And it was almost there. That's what made it so exciting. He was almost there, but he was just a little bit behind because he's just not good enough to beat the Gypsy King. And, and it's sad to say, but it was an exciting trilogy that he went 0-2-1. Yeah, so we get into the third round of this fight, and Tyson Fury puts Deontay Wilder down for the first time with a right hand. Wilder, as I said, looked gassed at that point. I thought it was only a matter of time before Fury knocked him out. And then the fourth round comes around, Sergio. And Deontay Wilder drops Tyson Fury two times. And you can make a strong argument 
that Tyson Fury was saved by the bell. I mean, the, the clock ran out for Wilder to come in and go for that third, perhaps final knockdown. Maybe, maybe not. Um, however you want to look at it. What were you thinking when Wilder put Fury down those two times? I thought Fury was getting a little bit too aggressive. He was coming forward a little bit too much, getting comfortable blocking those big right hands of Wilder just with his hands up. You don't do that. You don't do that with uh, Deontay Wilder. You give him the head movement, which is what Fury did in the first and the second fight. He didn't do that this fight. He just was aggressive. He was seen forward. He was a little... Both of them were tired, but this was a lazy version of Fury. It wasn't that hungry, uh, athletic gypsy king that we're used to seeing. You know, there was a little bit missing. Wait, wait, When have you seen a athletic gypsy king? I mean, he's been at sure. lighter weights, but he has not been athletic. He is fluid as a boxer, fast-handed as a boxer, moves his head really well but that spare tire is always around his midsection it just depends on how big it gets uh, in between fights i don't think he's ever really been athletic that looked a lot like the the usual tyson fury we've seen the last couple of fights no no just because he's out of shape doesn't make doesn't say he's not athletic you don't need to have muscles to be fluid i mean that's what fury is known for for, for his upper body movement his ring iq the fact that he knows how to land the jab his, his aggression his intelligence he had a little bit of all that right there, but it was just a little lazy. It wasn't as sharp as he normally is. And the, the, the upper body movement wasn't there for me. And that's what gives Wilder so much trouble, trying to pin down that upper body movement. He had the right idea going to the, to the, to the belly with that jab. I like that strategy, but it only happened for about one round and he got rid of it. So it was just, it was just not enough for Wilder and Fury. It wasn't the best version of him. Yeah, he got rid of it because, and, and... You know, this is where those situations where everyone saying something turns out to be right. Not oftentimes, oftentimes the media is not right about their assessment of fights. But bringing in a guy like Malik Scott, who is a, a first-time trainer, really, at least at this type of level, and who has a completely different style, you're not going to be able to have your fighter, like, kind of adjust that style, take hold of that style in just one fight. It takes time to to really bond with a fighter and, and develop a style. So what we saw from Wilder in that first round, we knew it was only a matter of time before he went back to being the fighter that we've seen for the entirety of his career. And really, it was one round. Like, he kind of went back to it in the second round, throwing jabs. But after the midway point of that second round, it was just the, the same old Deontay Wilder throwing the one-two right down the middle, trying to land the big right hand. It was incredibly effective in the fourth round when he put Fury down. I'm thinking the start of the fifth, like, what are we going to see? But I thought Fury was in excellent shape for him. Like, he's never going to look like Deontay Wilder, but I thought he was in excellent shape, wasn't breathing through his mouth, didn't look tired, got caught in the fourth round, but recovered, went back to the jab. Like you said, I mean, this was, this was, to me was just kind of vintage Tyson Fury. You know, maybe he was a little bit different than the fighter we've seen over the last couple of fights, but not that much different to me. Yep. I don't think it was vintage Tyson Fury. And I don't think it was sharp Tyson Fury. There was something lethargic about him. Uh, he came in a little bit heavier. Um, I, I don't know. The, four the, pounds. the gleam in that eye wasn't there. The, 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 the swag wasn't there. He had hints of it. It wasn't there. But he, it was still enough to be wild. I'm not taking nothing away from Tyson Fury. The dude's a beast. But there was something missing. And when, when time goes on, maybe in the press conference, or maybe as, when he starts doing interviews, we're going to find out if COVID had something to do with it. But that wasn't. The classic well, yeah. I mean, he was used to seeing with the jab in the upper body movement, the light feet, the athleticism. I'm not talking about the spare tire. I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about the, the fluidity 
of his punches, of his footwork, of his confidence, of the swag. A little bit of that was missing in, in Fury. Well, I mean, I, look, he was off for 20 months. So it wasn't Deontay Wilder, but that takes your toll on him. Plus, as you said, he had COVID twice, he says. Yeah, inactivity, catching COVID, uh, multiple training camps. It can certainly have an effect uh, on your body. But I saw a guy that outside of that fourth round was excellent throughout the course of this fight. And Deontay Wilder, to me, the big takeaway from Deontay Wilder is that if he was in better shape, and I'm not talking muscles. That's As you know, that's not what it takes to be a successful high-level boxer. If he was more focused on the road work and being in better shape and not what he looked like in the mirror, I think he would have had more success. You're shaking your head, but tell me why. Because Wilder, what he needs to do, he has a, he has to have a 10-week camp of just shadow boxing. I'll be honest with you, without punching anything. He needs to learn how to miss and not look clumsy when he misses. He needs to work on footwork. He needs to go to like a football NFL camp and work in footwork and athleticism and speed. He doesn't need a brute, brute power. He has raw power, and we figured out, we saw today that he has raw heart. This dude has heart. Wilder, you know, he impressed me today with, with his... Not with his ability. I've never been impressed with his ability. I've been impressed by his power, and today he impressed me with his heart. But he needs he needs to learn how to look athletic when he misses, you know, because when he misses, he looks clumsy, and that tires you out because boxers aren't accustomed to missing. They don't train to miss. They're trained to they bang heavy bangs. They bang sparring partners. But once they miss, the legs aren't used to that, especially when you're six foot six and weigh 250 pounds like these guys are. So they're not used to missing. Tyson Fury, on the other hand, he, he's a little bit more used to missing. He doesn't look clumsy when he does that. So I think if they ever do fight again or moving forward, Wilder just needs to work on shadow boxing, on missing, on footwork, and forget about being the bronze bomber and that one right hand that he had. We know he has it. He just needs to worry on the small things. And those are the things that are the most difficult to pick up. Yeah, we'll get to the future of both men in a couple of minutes. But I want to go back to the seventh round of this fight. That was, uh, there were no knockdowns in the seventh round. But I was sitting there and watching Fury just batter Wilder around the ring. Watching Wilder have his arm up on the ropes, which he did for so much of that fight. I'm thinking to myself, this is the time when a normal corner would probably think about throwing in the towel. This is the time when... Mark Breland or whoever else might say, look, Deontay, you are taking a pounding from this guy. Yes, you always have that big right hand to fall back on, but you are looking exhausted. You are taking a beating. There are more things in life than just trying to go the distance with this guy. Um, was there a point in the fight for you that you said, man, maybe this should be stopped? There was two points in that fight where I, where I even yelled out in the group of people I was watching with and said, they should stop this fight, but they're not going to stop this fight because Malik Scott's not going to lose his 10%. And, he's, and if they do fight again, he wants to be in that corner. But if he stops this fight, Malik Scott's fired. We know that's how uh, Deontay Wilder works. So they're going to let this warrior go out and shield. And that's what happened, man. I mean, it, went, it was a back and forth, but I knew Wilder was going to go out. And now there's, there's no excuses. He got beat by the bigger man. This was literally uh, a war of attrition, and it was a hell of a fight, a classic, to tell you the truth, in my opinion. And we, we saw Warrior go out on his shield. That's exactly what Deontay Wilder wanted in his last fight. Let me go out swinging. And now he did that, man. It was just a plot to him, and it was, it was just a great thing to watch as a fan. Yeah, and I give credit to the referee 
in this fight because I think the referee probably had that in the back of his mind where he's like, I'm not, you know, there are probably times I could step in, but I'm not going to do it. I saw the referee give a long look in that seventh round to stopping the fight while I was just kind of just staggering around the ring, grabbing the ropes, leaning into the corners, taking a beating from Tyson Fury, but the referee did not stop uh, the fight. Look, Wilder had some moments, but uh, there was one moment, I think it was the ninth, the 10th round at the very end of it, when he got Tyson Fury into the corner and was landing some combinations, Fury, like it to, to some people it may have looked like he was being hurt by them, but Fury actually tapped his head as he was coming out of the corner, basically saying, come on, hit me again, hit me again, because this, there was not enough steam on those punches for Wilder to really hurt them. Once you got through the first couple of rounds, he just wasn't throwing with that same power. And that goes back to the conditioning that I was talking about. He just wasn't in the kind of shape to throw power punches for 9, 10, 11 rounds. And there was more inside fighting in this fight. There was more wrestling in this oh, fight. Oh, that was, yeah, let, let me do this. That, that's a good one. That's that's good. That, that, this, was, this was one of the big keys to the fight. Tyson Fury, and you and I have talked about this, Tyson Fury fights like a big man. We did an emergency podcast after the Joshua Usyk fight, and we bemoaned how Joshua did not fight like a big man. Tyson Fury fights like a big man. He uses every tool on his belt, and one of those tools is leaning on Deontay Wilder. From the first round on, he was draping that six foot nine, two hundred seventy-seven pound frame on Deontay Wilder. And Sergio, you can be as bulked up as you want up here, but if your legs aren't really strong, that is going to take it out of you. And you could see almost, it's like in that in a video game where you see the energy bar and your character go down like in real time. That's what it was like watching Deontay Wilder. I thought it was, look, people could say, oh, he's, he's holding too much. It's tactics. If you have a size advantage, you use it. And I thought Tyson Fury in this fight used it as well as I've ever seen him use it before. Chris Mannix, you just love stealing words from my mouth. Man, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you know me because you've been around me too long, but that's exactly what I was going to say, except for that cheesy video game analogy. But yes, Tyson Fury knows how to fight like a big man because when you're that big and when you have an opponent that tired and he leans over you, you put your weight on him. All you're going to get is a warning from the referee, but the damage on the legs of your opponent have been done. That's, that's a ploy that we do in the gym. That's something we do in sparring. That's that's something that that's something that every fighter knows, especially the veterans know. And Wilder didn't know how to react to uh, to it, so he just both of them looked tired. But Fury knew knew how to fight tired a little bit better, a lot better than Deontay Wilder. And that's body language right there. Whenever you see your opponent, you know, struggling, knowing that that both of you are tired, but his legs are gone, that just gives you more motivation. Tyson Fury, even though it wasn't my opinion the best version of him he's just a naturally better fighter and he's a lot more smarter especially when he's tired well it, you know from the start of the eighth round on one thing i noticed was deontay wilder was taking every single second on his stool usually as you know with 10 seconds left they blow the whistle the corner leaves the ring the fighter usually pops up that's what fury did fury popped up at the end of every round and kind of walked towards the middle of the ring. Maybe that was gamesmanship, but his body language looked great. Deontay Wilder, he had his legs splayed out. He was had his head down. He was spitting out water up until the very last second when that bell rang. There's a couple of times where the referee had to stall the start of the round because they had to get the stool out uh, because Deontay was sitting on it for so long. You, you, you saw the work that Fury put in on the body of Deontay Wilder, leaning on him, 
paid dividends in the second half of that fight. That was a big reason why, why I thought he was able to be successful. Someone must have told you that because I, I don't think you would have picked up on that body language or maybe you've been listening to what I say, you know, more often. But yeah, body language says a lot. Poker players will tell you that. Anytime a fighter goes to his corner and he lays back and he puts his arms against the ropes and he lays his feet out, you know, these are, these are signs that you pick up. You know, whenever a fighter leans forward, like for instance, the great Chavez, he always leaned forward. He waited to the last second to get up, but his body language showed you that he was ready to go forward. Anytime a fighter's leaning back with his elbows against the ropes, bad body language. That's why you always see trainers put the, the fighter's arms down and because it's body language telling you, hey man, you gotta let this guy know that you want, do you wanna go out there and fight more? And these are things that a wily fighter like you know Tyson He's just across from you. So these are all things that I'm surprised you picked up, but fighters see it all the time. I see plenty, and I say plenty in our broadcast. So calm down with, with that uh, critique. Um, all right, let's – shut up. You're an idiot. Let's get into uh, the future of Deontay Wilder because you've talked about Malik Scott wanting to protect his 10% down the line. Maybe there's a fourth fight. I just don't see it, Sergio. Deontay Wilder is going to be 36 years old in a couple of weeks. He has now been not just beaten in his last two fights. He has been beaten down in his last two fights. Stopped uh, 20 months ago and been knocked out cold in this last fight. So to come back, it's going to mean multiple kind of tune-up fights, um, Put you know, rebuild your confidence, rebuild your skills. Maybe he could have done that at 26. I don't know if he's going to do it or want to do it at 36. Use for an example here, uh, Billy Joe Saunders after the Canelo Alvarez fight. Billy Joe Saunders is still very much in the prime of his career. We have not heard Billy Joe sounding interested in boxing since that fight. That's largely because he went to the mountaintop. He took his shot. He lost, made a bunch of money for it. Now he just doesn't have kind of the, the, the fire in his belly to go and do it. I, I question whether Wilder at this stage of his career is going to have that fire in his belly to come back and fight the Robert Heleniuses or Andy Ruiz's or Charles Martins to put himself in position for a Fury or a Joshua or Usyk fight uh, in 2022 or 2023. It might be that long before Wilder puts himself in position. He may not even get there. I mean, the shine is definitely off him at this point. Like Andy Ruiz has to be watching him saying, look, I'm I'm fat, but I'm in better condition and shape than Deontay Wilder. I mean, Robert Hellenius had a win over Adam Kavnowski in the undercard. You know, he's 37 years old uh, as well, but he could probably think I could stop Deontay Wilder. So there's no guarantee he even gets there. I, so I, I just wonder, and I, I, you know, it's tough to like to say for sure after a fight like this because there's so much energy involved and there's a tendency to react quickly. But I think we may have seen the last of Deontay Wilder. What do you think? No, I think uh, matchmaking will be the next thing for him. And I love that fight with Hellenius, another huge fighter coming off a big win. That's a winnable fight for Deontay Wilder. So, all he, all, you know, in boxing, you're only one knockout away from getting that shine back. So that shine that he lost today or in the last couple of fights, he can get that back with one devastating knockout, like, that, like a knockout that he had against Brazil. He can come back and do that against Hellenius. He's back. Doesn't necessarily mean that he can come back and win the world championship again. But that shine will come back. People will be interested because that's what power does. People love power punchers and people love big brutes like Deontay Wilder. Plus, you know what? Not for nothing. He knows how to sell himself, sell himself as a bad guy. 
You know, so everyone needs that bad guy. He knows how to self-promote. He knows how to be that one unlikable figure, and he and he and he takes he takes it and runs with it. And with that, yeah. Power, but how do you, Sergio? How do you do yourself, that? Like, let me ask you this: how, how do you do that though? I mean, Deontay Wilder talked a lot of shit in the build-up to this fight. Said that Tyson Fury could never knock him out. Said that you know said that Tyson Fury cheated in multiple different ways uh before uh, before the last fight so he has he a lot of stuff I'm not sure how you kind of turn around and and rebuild it like yeah I like everybody's different but I would imagine his confidence has got to be at rock bottom at least as a fighter right now I mean it, I, I just like I don't know you're the fighter you've you've had ups and downs in your career I mean I, I just I just don't know what impact these types of beatings will take on him like the, again these weren't losses they were beatings that he took from from tyson fury and I, and I don't i'm not sure how you come back from that hey listen mr boston college if you cuss i'm gonna tell you how he gets it back by knocking motherfuckers out he comes back and lands that big right hand and lays someone straight out that's how the confidence comes back that's exactly how the fans you know get the get the sensation of like i want to see this again i want to see how, how do you say four fights? We see the trilogy and quadruple? Quad, Whatever. Quadrilogy. We want to see the fourth fight. That's how you why, do it. Why, like, wait, you want to see the fourth fight? You know, you I didn't want to see the third fight. I didn't want to see the third fight. I, I, I just think it was, it was, it was unnecessary. Oh, no. no, I didn't want to see the third fight. But guess what? That was a hell of a classic heavyweight matchup between two fun. towers of men. So do I want to see the fourth fight? Maybe not next. But like I said, if Wilder could come back and knock someone out, spark him out flat, yeah, I'll take a fourth fight. You know, it, it, there'll be time to get into Deontay Wilder's legacy once he ultimately retires. But you and I discussed this and have discussed this. Like, you know, what is what is Deontay Wilder's career? Like, I, I'm a Hall of Fame voter. I don't think I'd vote for him in the Hall of Fame because even though he had a five-and-a-half-year run as heavyweight champion, he was – he had one quality win, or at least one win over one quality fighter, that being Luis Ortiz. Like the other fights, the Dominic Brazils, the Johan Duapases, I mean, these are not high-level opponents. And some of that's been circumstance, right? Alexander Povetkin, that would have been a good win for him. Povetkin tested positive for a banned substance. The Joshua fight couldn't get put together for political reasons. He had, he had opportunities to burnish that resume uh, taken off the table uh, from him. But at this point, like... You know, he, he's like an attraction, but I, I don't know if you can ever say he was a great fighter. I, uh, that's kind of where I land on it. I don't consider him as a great fighter either, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he has great power and Hall of Fame power, and people remember that. You know, people love knockouts, and he's always going to be remembered for that. Maybe someone that will just, you know, one big win away from making uh, the Hall of Fame or, 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 or doing something great. But you know what? There, there's punches that, that people remember. Julian Jackson, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's one of the hardest punchers in history. Ernie Shavers, one of the hardest punchers in history. The list goes on. Punchers usually, you know, it's hard for them to make the Hall of Fame, but people remember him as devastating knockout artists. And I think that's where Deontay Wilder is going to uh, land on. He's probably not going to make make it to Canastota, but he's going to make it to everyone's brain and in people's mind. He definitely does. You know, his power you know, rivals that of Mike Tyson, some of the great punchers of uh, boxing history. One last thought on the fight itself. Uh, what did you think of the counts 
after the second knockdown by Deontay Wilder of Tyson Fury in that fourth round. There were a lot of people I saw on social media and elsewhere thinking it was a slow count by the referee. I couldn't sort of tell in real time, but could you notice anything about the count on that fourth round? Uh, you know, I I can probably go back and find something wrong with it, but it's not it's not egregious. It wasn't, you know, Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson slow. Uh, no, I don't think, I mean, you can always go back to any fight and find controversy. I don't think this should be one of them. I thought, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Mora, the referee. Uh, I thought he did a, a great job. These are too big, man. You try not to get in the way with him, but um, I, I think it was a pretty good job and maybe kind of a little bit slow, but I, I don't think it was a, I, was, I don't think it was a slow count and, and yeah. done on purpose, no. Well, the, one other thing on the, um, the weight thing too, Deontay Wilder, uh, who did not do a post-fight interview, just issued a quote, said, I'm not sure what happened. I know that in training he did certain things. I also knew he didn't come to camp. He didn't come in at 277 to be a ballet dancer. He came to lean on me to try to rough me up, and he succeeded. So, you know, while they're acknowledging kind of what we all saw, like uh, Fury got physical with him and made it really hard for him to win that fight. Uh, last thought, uh, Tyson Fury, his future. It's not Anthony Joshua. Uh, if Dillian White wins his upcoming fight against Otto Valin, which is a tough fight for, for White, Valin's a, a very good fighter, um, I think we will likely see Dillian White take on Tyson Fury. That's a huge fight in the UK. Probably does a massive crowd at some kind of indoor soccer stadium or something like that. Um, I think that, and that's a pretty good fight. I mean, Dillian White's been waiting for a world title shot for years at this point. And uh, even though Fury would be a heavy favorite, he's bigger, he's faster, he's, he's just a better boxer. Than Dillian White. Dillian White, kind of like Deontay Wilder, always has that equalizer, that big left hook that he's landed so many times on so many opponents. So I think that's uh, probably where Fury's headed. What do you think? That makes sense in the UK. I think, uh, you know, now that, you know, crowds are back, that that fight easily fills out a big stadium. And Dillian White always comes to fight. He's the number one mandatory now. He, yeah, that's an excellent fight. Now, if you want another exciting fight, you know, you can come over here and fight an Andy Ruiz type fight, you know, or if you want to stay uh, stay busy. There's plenty of fights in the heavyweight division, but if you want to keep it in the UK across the pond, I think Dillian White's the best way to go. Yeah, Fury mentioned Dillian White um, during the buildup for this fight. said, when I get through Deontay Wilder, I'm going straight to Dillian White. Uh, no cuts really on Fury, or nothing significant. Um, so he theoretically could in the next four or five months fight Dillian White. So we'll see. What happened? Sergio, good job, man. I'm actually amazed you made it back in time to do this uh, podcast, uh, but uh, I'm really proud of you for you know, doing it. Hey, let me let me tell you something. Once you just press roll, where's the excitement, man? You just saw one of the best heavyweight championships in the world live. You're boring, bro. I'm not boring. What are you talking about? I was already kind of I, I was in I was in the building. There was a lot of energy there at that point. What what do you want? What do you want from me? I want invigoration out of you. I want excitement. Okay, that's not I a word. The, the, the liveness. Where's, where's the liveness, Maddox? That's not there. That's not. We'll see you in Fresno, Sergio.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 